I got an email from a man who wrote, I have not had a date for 30 years, but I could take you out for dinner, Maureen. Of course you could. I'm a woman in British Columbia talking about sex, but I don't really understand why I would be so appealing. Isn't that the biggest complaint about women, that we are all talk and no action? I'm Maureen McGrath. Let's get some action going on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate about sex, talk about sex, and educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Men stop at nothing to tell me about their sex lives, namely their erections, good, bad, whatever. They, I get the ones who are having a problem, but do I need to hear from the ones who are having great erections? I don't think so. They're like, oh, you're a sex expert? I have no problem with my erections, hard as I was as a teenager. Really? Oh, I know you're interested in this, Maureen, and I know you. Uh, it's okay for me to tell you, and I, I really want to talk to someone about this. Fantastic. Then I have the ones, uh, got no problem. You know, at 40, I'm having sex four times a day. I'm asking, are you awake for those? Anyway, um, <laughs> another one. Uh, I know you're interested in this, which they always proceed it with that. I'm 50. I'm like a teenager. No problem. No Viagra for me. But do you get samples? Anyway, God gave men a brain and a penis, but only enough blood to run one at a time. I do love men. Please don't take offense to that. Anyway, I spent the better part of this week in Montreal and New York for of all things to talk about sex. What a great subject. Um, I presented to two groups, mainly businessmen, and a few businesswomen were in the crowd. The two different crowds. I really connected with the Montreal group. They're smiling and laughing, nodding their heads. You know, you really, it's great when you're a speaker and you feel like the audience is getting it and you're connecting and, you know, you're on. And anyway, it was fantastic. New York was an entirely different story, which I actually thought was going to be easier because I'm from Boston. And <laughs> anyway, I thought New York, okay, no problem. But you know what? It was tough. They wouldn't budge. No facial expressions. They sat down. I felt like I was speaking to the right of right-wing religious zealots zealot conservatives. I could have sworn they were shaking their heads back and forth when I mentioned that I had some samples of V-Love for them as though they didn't need it. They didn't want it. But of course, after the presentation, they just jumped at me wanting those uh, V-Love samples, the new sexual desire gel. And um, I said I really only had enough for the women and and the men were strong arming the women to get this V-Love. One one gentleman said, uh, I'd like one for my wife and one for my mistress. Anyway, I said to one another gentleman, I couldn't really connect with this group. I couldn't really read them. It was it felt very strange. And he said to me, what do you want? We're a bunch of pissed off New Yorkers. We warmed up to you, though, eventually. Anyway, so uh, it was a great crowd in New York and uh, thoroughly enjoyed talking about sex. And uh, to these uh, business folks, it's always fun. Anyhow, and I, I absolutely love the city of New York. It's a, my favorite city in the world, I have to say. There's just so much there, so much to do. I did a ton. Went to a Broadway show, Larry David's new Fish in the Dock, and that was fantastic. Everybody should see that if they can. Hopefully, it'll come to Vancouver. I don't think Larry David will come. But uh, it was about family and death and sibling rivalry and and vying for the top spot uh, with parents, and so much humor. It was a laugh a minute, so it was fantastic. But while I was here, I guess I missed a few things. Pink shirt day, for one, and that's a very important day for me because I am uh, a proponent uh, to raise awareness and end uh, workplace bullying, sexual harassment, violence against women, and violence against men. I'm a peaceful sort. Um, but, But during this time, my friend Sarah Daniels, Um, publicly announced that she had been sexually assaulted as a young woman. And I am very proud of her because when when women share stories, 
they empower other women and girls. You know Sarah. She's well-known to British Columbia, and she's one of the hosts of the Global Morning News, uh, uh, former host of uh, Global Morning News Career. Uh, she had a career in Vancouver. She's also has been with CKNW and Rock 101. Uh, she's an author. She's a very strong woman. Um, she's um, author of Welcome Home, The Complete Canadian Guide to Buying and Selling Your Property. She's a realtor rock star out in White Rock. Um, anyway, so I think it's really important. And tonight in particular, I'm, I'm pleased uh, about some of the stories I'm going to be talking about because I think it will empower uh, women and girls. I know this. And uh, tonight I have some young women uh, from Bucknell University in Pennsylvania from the Kappa Kappa Gamma um, sorority, and they are listening tonight. And I think some of the information I'm going to be sharing with some women who have been abused in the workplace or sexually harassed, allegedly, um, you know, I think it's when you set out after you graduate from university or college and you think it's, you know, going to be fantastic and you, you just never know if you're going to be one of those targets of a, of a workplace bully. So um, it's it's a societal malignancy that has to end when the first way to help to terminate that is to raise awareness about it and bring these stories out of the dark. Uh, as you know, and I, I, if I've only mentioned, what, like 55 or 60,000 times, I was a target of workplace bullying. And um, twice, not once, once by a woman, the next time by a man, who also added on the lovely sexual harassment of that. And um, so it was very tough. I became very ill, and, and I understand it implicitly. I researched it, and so I'm, I'm here to help anybody who has had that. And so uh, tonight I'm uh, joined, which I'm honored to be joined, uh, by some incredibly strong and courageous women. You, um, they, are not, they are very well known to you, I'm sure. Catherine Galliford, who is a former RCMP officer, and Atoya Montague, former senior communications officer with the RCMP, also in studio, I have Nancy McDonald. She's the associate editor at McLean's Magazine and the author of the cover article for this week in McLean's Magazine, which comes out on Monday. Um, so we're going to be talking about that and about the class action lawsuit waged by uh, 380 female claimants. And the lawyer, who is one of the top class action lawyers in the country, Sandy Zaitsev, expects that number to grow to 1,500 claimants representing all 10 provinces. This does not surprise me in any way, shape, or form. My bully had abused 22 women before me. Some of those women had become suicidal. Many of them got post-traumatic stress disorder. I understand this. This is not a one-off deal. This is a, a repeated action. Um, it's a campaign. It's a psychological tormenting campaign. A movie I suggest everybody to watch is Whiplash. I saw that as well when I, when I was in New York. And um, it, it outlines, it depicts every little aspect of the control, the psychological control and power over um, someone a person has. And, and it was just an amazing movie, uh, right down to the tears um, of the, of the uh, bully and the abuser and uh, that power. And it's that, that's, that power you must have within yourself. Um, so many people have the power to stop this, but it's, you've got to understand uh, what's happening to you and what it's all about. Anyway, so uh, Whiplash is a fantastic movie. As is another love story, um, which 
uh, The Theory of All Things. Um, you know, in that movie, I felt like what, I have not seen Fifty Shades of Grey because I have noticed I will see it because I'll have to see it. But I haven't seen it yet because main reason is I don't think the two actors in that have a, a have any chemistry. I don't feel like there's an attraction there. I don't really feel like and I love passion and romance and I love that neurochemistry of love and lust. And I just don't think they have it. So I, it's not top of my plate. Um, but the theory of all things was a beautiful story, and it really underscores that love changes circumstance, and circumstance changes love. And um, I just uh, love that movie, and you just see how with life's challenges, and you think you can uh, handle them all, and you just never know what's going to come down the pike. Um, is you know makes you make makes things change and. And uh, but but love love changes over time. It goes from romantic and passionate and hot love to committed and 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 another form of compassionate love. Um, anyway, so there's another beautiful love story, and it was written by a young woman called Megan Williams, and she's going to join me very shortly to tell us about her interrupted fairy tale. And she's also speaking at She Talks this Saturday, March seventh, and she's going to share her story then but she also has a couple of tickets for you so if you want to win those tickets give us a call the number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell the lines are open uh anyway when i come back we're going to talk about love stories and heartbreak from a most beautiful woman i'm maureen mcgrath you're listening to the cknw sunday night sex show Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Tonight we're talking about love and passion. I like sex, but, you know, <laughs> love and passion, that goes along with it, too. Uh, I've got Sam on the line. Hello, Sam. Are you there, Sam? Yes, Oops. I'm here. Hey, Sam, how are you? Very good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. My first time listening to your show, and I'm enjoying it very much. <laughs> Only 15 minutes, or 10. <laughs> But um, um, I was just tipped off by a friend, and I'm just um, listening to it and enjoying it very much. Oh, that's so nice of you. Is that why you called? That's why I called, and uh, if I could win some tickets. Oh, would you? I was going to say, would you like to win those tickets? That would be yeah, fantastic. Please. That would be great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your call. That's lovely of you. And if you can leave your information with Luke, he'll tell you where you can pick those tickets up, my friend. Have a nice evening. All right. That's always nice. Um, so, love stories, heartbreak, heartache. Who hasn't had their heart broken? One way you can have your heart broken is a new term that's being applied to the breakup world in social media, which is ghosting. Have you heard of ghosting? Ghosting is, I think ghosting's been around for a long time myself. But anyway, they've finally given a, a name to it. Ghosting is when you go out with somebody and you've had a great time and you maybe one, two, three times you've hung out with them or you might maybe even you've hooked up with them. And by all intent and purposes, you think that you're going to hear from them again. And then all of a sudden they disappear and you don't hear from them and they've they've blocked you on on social media and. It's, it can be heartbreaking or disappointing not knowing. It's, it's always that unknown. 
um, that makes life much more difficult. So I'm not sure. Um, I, I was actually surprised. I think this happens a lot because I think people do not want to tell somebody that I don't think people generally as human beings, human nature is not to want to be mean. Now we might find that hard to believe, especially with tonight's program, but I think that's not our nature to want to hurt somebody's feelings, to want to upset somebody. So I think that people find it's just easier to go away. They maybe have misled somebody. They may not have. Um, uh, but anyway, ghosting is something that, that can happen. Apparently, a lot of people claim that they would rather hear that somebody is never going to call you again um, and know, and then they can move on. I mean, with Tinder, you can go left, you can go right, you can move on wherever you want. Uh, another subject that, uh, before we get to the um, romantic story, is um, mixed weight couples. This is a big issue, and I've, I've uh, often wondered about this. You've seen them, couples that look entirely different. He, she might be completely skinny, <laughs> and he's three or 400 pounds, or vice versa. And you think, wow. I, I mean, of course, you know where my mind goes, and I'm always picturing them, <laughs> thinking, oh, I hope he doesn't hurt her anyway, or suffocate her. No, but um, mixed weight couples is a new term. And, and apparently, people who have such varied weights... Uh, especially after they've met. So say they've met and they're both of normal weight and then one gains an excessive amount of weight. Um, they are twice as likely to have conflict and far more likely to split up. But it does kind of make sense. Um, I think people need to be responsible for their health and in particular be responsible for their weight because I think weight is the um, the absolute um, ticket to health. And I see a lot of people who are, are of advancing age and they have stopped exercising. They eat a lot. They don't have a lot to do or they maybe emotionally eat. And um, so I think that if you are looking after yourself and you care about your health and you care about your weight and your partner doesn't, it can be annoying. Or anyway, the author of the article that was written about it said that she was surprised when her husband said, why don't I get you a personal trainer? I'll get it for you for your birthday. Um, nobody likes to be told that they have extra weight or they need to take it off. But if you do, if it does bother you, because it is going to impact your relationship, you might want to tell them through a love sandwich, <laughs> which is tell them something nice at the beginning and then tell them that it might be healthier for them to take the weight off and then something lovely at the end. So that's your little love sandwich around weight. Make sure it's low calorie. Um, anyway, so that is my little education for tonight. And you can find all of this uh, on my website, which has been relaunched, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Finally, I know I've been promising that to you for a while. And I will be adding a whole lot more things in particular about diet and in particular about foods to increase blood flow because I know a lot of you guys are interested in that to get more blood flow to your penis. Anyway, um, so back to love and passion and, <laughs> and heartbreak, really. Uh, I am uh, good friends now with this lovely guest. Megan is joining me. Hello, Megan. Are you on the line? Yes, I am. Megan Williams, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, thank you. Oh, good. You know, the tickets have already been given away. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I don't know if you were listening. Was that that fellow who just called in? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, so Megan Williams is the author of Our Interrupted Fairy Tale. Thank you so much, Megan, for joining me and also um, for sharing those uh, the tickets for next week. I think it sounded like he had a date, so that'll be really nice. 
Um, well, I'm sure he and she or whoever he decides to take is going to have a great afternoon. It's, uh, it's going to be a pretty inspiring Saturday, I think. That's right. And you're going to talk about your interrupted fairy tale. I will be, yes. Um, there'll be 14 other women sharing eight-minute stories, um, and hopefully we'll, it'll be a good afternoon. I'm sure it'll be fantastic because when women share their stories, they empower other women and girls. So it's always, there's, there can never be enough story sharing. And your your story was one of heartache. I thought of you t- today when I was on the plane watching um, Theory of All Things and a beautiful love story. And you had a beautiful love story as well. Thank you. Yes, and it was a great book. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about um, your story, an overview, without giving away your She Talk for next week? Sure. Um, our Interrupted Fairy Tale, it's a local uh, Vancouver-based love story. It's about myself and the love of my life, Chad, and um, he and I were together for a really long time and planning on what forever was going to look like for the two of us. But unfortunately, a few years ago, when Chad was just 34, he um, passed away from a blood cancer that he'd been diagnosed with nine years earlier. And after, um, after he passed away, I was going through some of our things in a closet where it was an old garbage bag full of household manuals. And I found um, one of the diaries that he had kept when he was first diagnosed, When he, like I said, when he was 26. And I knew the story really well, so I flipped through the pages. And in the back of it, though, what I, what I wasn't expecting to see is he had written, publish this book when the time is right. Oh. So I've spent the last few years um, putting together his blogs and diary entries, combining them with my blogs and diary entries and adding emails from when we were doing distance relationship, when we were breaking up while I was in college, and (laughs) love letters and Christmas cards. And um, the end result of that is our interrupted fairy tale. And it got released on his birthday last year on February 11th, and we've just celebrated the uh, one-year anniversary of it, and it's still doing really well, and I'm really pleased that it's a story that's able to resonate with a lot of people. Absolutely. It's a beautiful story, and so young to have such a uh, broken heart, really. very Few people lose the love of their lives. Few people meet the love of their life, quite frankly. I mean, you know, a lot of people wind up together, and they're not necessarily the love of each other's lives. And so here you are that, and then you suffer this significant loss at such a young age. How did that impact you? Well, I, I, I mean, deeply, it's, it's changed me forever. And um, there's a void in my life where Chad would have been. But I, I, as you said, I do know how lucky I was to have ever found a love like that. So um, I, I'd really try and cherish that part and try and live as though we were, I'm the same person that he fell in love with and trying not to have cancer killed me as well. But it certainly changes people, and I think it doesn't matter when heartbreak happens, whether you're 65 and you've lost the love of your life or you're 18 and have had somebody break up with you. I think heartbreak can change us all, and it sort of shifts, a li- shifts us a little bit. It does. Heartbreak is is devastating it can be you know just so life-altering but I can see why he fell in love with you you're a beautiful person you're just full of life and and full of light and uh and I'm sure next week is just going to be an amazing talk so can you give us the details of the event next week the she talks 
Uh, sure. Is. She talks with us on Saturday, um, and it'll be in Surrey. It starts at 10 o'clock, and there'll be exhibitors, and uh, throughout the day from 10 till 2, there'll be a variety of different speakers speaking on a bunch of different topics. Well, and tickets available where? where, where? At, at shetalksyvr.ca. Excellent. And well, thank you so much, Megan. Thank it's, you for having me. Oh, tonight. you're very welcome, and good luck. And I'm sure you'll you'll be amazing. All right. So when I come back, we're going to talk to uh, some of the former RCMP officers. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. You may or may not have seen the article about the RCMP officers, the female RCMP officers this week. I'm Maureen McGrath, and I saw that article. I'm the host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, which is where you are. Thank you for staying here with me with your staying power. Um, as I said, there's much to learn on this program. It's largely about education and, and uh, what relates to sex and everything relates to sex, except for sex. Sex is about power. And sometimes people have power over other people. And that really annoys me because uh, it's happened to me. But uh, it happened in a big way, allegedly, to some former RCMP officers. And uh, so you may or may not have seen that McLean's Magazine article, which was written by the associate editor at McLean's, Nancy McDonald. She's the author of the cover article for this week, and she joins me in the studio. Thanks for being here, Nancy. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, also on the line, I am joined by Catherine Galliford. She's a former RCMP officer and Atoya Montague. <laughs> former senior communications officer, both with the RCMP. The reason they have joined me is this article outlines the latest class action lawsuit against the RCMP on behalf of 380 female claimants. And that number is expected to grow to 1,500 claimants that representing all 10 provinces. Hello, Catherine. Are you on the line? Yes, I am. It's Hi. nice to be here. Great. Thanks so much for joining me. And hello, Atoya. Are you there as well? I am indeed. Oh, thank wonderful. You for me too. That's th- thank you both of you for joining me. Um, this is a, a tragedy of uh, Herculean proportion. <laughs> I mean, when we have uh, any kind of workplace bullying, sexual harassment, and and I have to say that these are allegations, um, but. Um, it's it does happen. It happens across every workplace, uh, across the country and across the world. It happens in nursing. It's so common in nursing. In fact, it happened to me in nursing and also in a private startup company as well. So, um, but uh, Catherine, I I need to ask you first. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm still struggling every day with post traumatic stress disorder. And, um, yeah, and that's basically what I'm trying to deal with because every day it is a struggle. And what are some of your symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder? Oh, I have facial tics. I stutter. I um, don't leave my house. Um, I'm uncomfortable in large crowds. I can't even tell you the last time I was in a mall, a shopping mall. Right. Right, and that's not uncommon for people to get that fear and anxiety after what has occurred. It's not a depression; it's a post-traumatic, it's a complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And Atoya, how are you doing? Well, I'm similar, although I did develop uh, severe depression as well mm-hmm. as a consequence of uh, the mistreatment. But um, I'm doing better now um, that I've left the environment because there are so many triggers. Of course, when you live. In the Lower Mainland, and every time you turn on the news, you see one of your harassers or, you know, if a police car would trigger me, um, I can't go near an RCMP detachment without being triggered and having a panic attack. 
But I live with um, pretty much chronic insomnia, I'm migraine headaches. I mean, I was pretty much crippled by my illness in 2011 to the point where I was so sick I couldn't leave my house for two weeks to even go to a doctor. I thought I was dying. Mm-hmm. And I was told, you know, you're about to develop pathological disease. And it was only because of the emotional stress related to my PTSD. Absolutely. And you've left yeah. the country when you say you've... I, yeah. I, my safety was in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it on pretty good authority that that was the case. And when my both my psych my treaty psychiatrist and my lawyer said, you know, there is a possibility of that. Maybe you should leave. I, I really didn't take long to heed the advice, and right. I literally gave away everything I've ever owned and left. And wow, we don't think of that as, as Canadian. You know, I'm, I'm American by birth, right? And, um, yeah. and you know, uh, I think of Canadians as peaceful. I was in... Uh, you know, I was in New York with a Canadian, and he was just I'm like, "Stop being so nice to the ca- to the yeah. cab drivers. Don't tell them they're the boss. We're going to be driving along the East River, and we were." Um, but and anyway, you, know, you must be very grateful to this woman who's in the studio with me, Nancy McDonald, who's the associate editor at McLean's Magazine, for investigating this article, writing this article, and bringing this to the forefront and bringing this to the attention of Canadians. Because I absolutely, I think we're vali- very pleased. Yeah, I think validation helps. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, it, it absolutely does. And the first time I read in my human rights complaint response from the analyst who agreed with me on pretty much all points and said, yes, you are too vulnerable to complain on the inside. You did not stand a chance in that organization. I literally bawled my eyes out mm-hmm. because it was the first time I had ever been validated. And you know, Because when you're there, you don't have a friend. You don't have anyone who has your back because even those who really believe in you and respect you, they're too afraid to have your back. And as a civilian member, you're even treated in a more secondary class than just being a female cop, right? That's bad enough. But add civilian to the front of that, and you're even treated worse. So you really don't have anyone who has your back. So that was the first time I was validated by an, you know, a credible body. And it meant so much to me. And seeing this article, too, I mean, it's, yeah, we're very pleased with it, but it's just so heartbreaking when you read the stories and you know that there's hundreds of others out there that are suffering the same fate as we speak in present tense who are too afraid to come forward. And, you know, I, we all know, Catherine and I can tell you what it's like to be there, and it takes an enormous amount of courage to, to step forward and complain. Oh. But the alternative is to get very sick. Absolutely. And, and you fall, for your life to fall apart. Absolutely. Literally into shambles. And I don't want to see another woman have to lose her whole entire life like Catherine did, like Krista did, like I did. You know, our relationships crumble. Our, you know, our careers are over. Um, we've had to sell our condos and move and do all kinds of things, leave our family and support network. Um, your health is suffering. There's nothing left, really. I just don't want to see that happen to another woman who's done nothing wrong. And for the most part, they're actually the brightest most Absolutely. hardworking of them all, and that's why they get targeted. So the, the women who should be leading the organization, who should be there at work right now, healthy and um, well-adjusted, doing a good job, are actually the ones who are off sick or being mistreated to the point where they can't function anymore. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, Nancy, um, what prompted you to investigate this and write this article? Where, What's your involvement or well, interest? I started talking to Catherine in the fall about doing kind of a first person about what happened to her. And uh, 
her lawyer didn't love the idea. She had this trial coming up, and the more I talked to her, she, you know, she mentioned some of the, her friends and things that were going on. She, she didn't mention Atoya by name, but I, I just started to realize that this wasn't a story about Catherine. There, I mean, I think a lot of Canadians, when Catherine came out and told her story, thought, okay, I'm, I mean, this this happened, that's horrible, and, and that's it. But the reality is Catherine was just the first of, you know, hundreds potentially you know, over a thousand women who've suffered the same kind of fate. Allegedly. Allegedly. We, we have to say that Absolutely. on the air. Allegedly. Yes. Suffered this you can. I fate. won't. I, I know. I, I have to say that. I, I understand. And everybody has the right to a fair trial in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. I can speak from my own experience, and I understand um, when women get sick. I, just three years ago this month, I was flat on my back, lo- losing hair, heart palpitations, losing weight, fear, anxiety, because of I had been targeted as well. I fully understand women in my organization had 22 of them were abused by this one man, and one of the women was suicidal. So I get this. I completely understand this. I researched it because I had to figure out what happened to me and what happens to women. It's so common. So what did you learn, Nancy, as a... Uh, writer coming into this situation investigating it? Well, you know, the first few times I, I talked to Catherine, I don't think I really understood what the problem was. It was only, you know, having these multiple conversations with her and then speaking to other women and I realized, you know, I started to understand why these women were so sick and and and, and, and what had happened to them and, uh, and and just, you know, what an awful situation they found themselves in. I think each of them would tell you that they, they felt there was no one for them to turn to um, and, uh, and, and I mean, listen to their stories. I and, mean, people- and Catherine, what were some of the things that, uh, happened to you? What, what, what would be some of the things you would encounter? Oh, it started right from day one. I was threatened with a firearm. I was told that if I didn't have sex with someone, he would see to it that I did not have a career. I had three bosses at one time trying to have sex with me, and quite frankly, close, but no cigar. Um, I would like to pat myself on the back for that one. But then on the flip side of the coin, I had other bosses who wanted the jobs that I was getting, so they were turning around and destroying my credibility behind my back. Absolutely. It It was ongoing. But you know, the funny thing is, I don't know if the hardest thing was what was happening to me or when I took a step back from it and I was watching it happen to other people. I don't know which one was harder. I've had people on the phone crying to me, and they're still in that organization. And what did you do when you say you uh, managed to uh, avoid uh, having sex with your bosses? What, what, was your, what were your responses when a firearm was pulled on you and, and when your bosses made sexual advances toward you, well, allegedly? Well, in, initially, <laughs> the first person, um, he was in a position of authority over me, and so I did have sex with him. But that's because he told me, you do what I say or else. So I did. With the other bosses, I just became kind of an expert at outmaneuvering them. Right. <laughs> and it, so, it was very difficult, but how do you go into work every day trying to outmaneuver your boss's sexual advances? And quite frankly, why do people have to do that? And it was largely sexual harassment and sexual assault, basically. It was absolutely sexual assault, sexual harassment, and I also want to throw out the criminal code term, sexual exploitation. People who are using their position of authority over you in order to get into your pants. I want to echo everything she's saying. I can 100% all that happened to me. And Atoya, was it sexual with you as well in nature, or was it workplace bullying also? 
both. Um, and what were some yeah. of the workplace but bullying think, things that occurred? Bullying? Um, well, sometimes, you know, bullying is sometimes a passive aggressive thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it would be things like being pushed out of meetings. Um, a lot of what Catherine said, like sabotage a career, I'd find out like a very senior officer just had it out for me. And, and the most senior officers in the whole organization would know and kind of laugh about it. And, you know, I had done nothing wrong. I was working really hard for this individual. And it was just, I was just targeted. And it was anything to destroy my reputation or dismiss me. Um, it's generally yeah, a campaign. It's a psychological campaign. It's a psychological campaign that of attack. really, I was so naive, you know, and mm-hmm. I couldn't see it because I believe so strongly you know, the brainwashing starts right away. You know, these are supposed to be the good guys. I must be seeing this wrong. Can't possibly be this bad. Um, but no, you know, it, it took me to step back and really look at it in totality and realize, wow, the whole, I didn't, I didn't ever have a safe work environment. There wasn't one boss that wasn't either trying to have sex with me or trying to sabotage my career or sabotaging my career because I wouldn't have sex with them. Exactly. Or holding me back from promotion because I wouldn't have sex with them or for fear that I would tell somebody I, that they were trying to have sex with me. Exactly. So what, we're going to go to, we're going to go to break Atoya. And when I come back, yeah. I want to talk about in retrospect. Now there are certain things I would do um, to my, you know, to respond to some of the bullying that occurred to me and some of the sexual harassment. Um, but I'd like to hear what both of you would do now um, in retrospect, now that you've been enlightened. Anyway, hope you stay with us here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath, and that's what you're listening to. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. We're talking about a very sensitive subject tonight and a very difficult subject. And I'm joined in the studio by Nancy McDonald. She's the associate editor over at McLean's Magazine. She's written a rock star article. It comes out on Monday on the stands, but it is online. And, uh, Catherine Galliford joins me on the line, as well as Atoya Montague. You know, uh, ladies, thanks for staying here and being with me tonight on the program. I had an incident myself uh, with the RCMP one time. It was an RCMP officer and his pregnant wife, and he accused me of hitting his car outside of a shopping mall. And I had not done that. His car wasn't even there when I got there. And, And I was afraid of him he had a big mag flashlight and he wanted me to look at his car and it was dark it was the mall had closed and I went over to the gap and they were very ready to help me and call security and then he pulled out his badge he was off duty he pulled out his badge and then they completely did not stay with me they did they didn't call security they wouldn't and um, he then reported me for a hit and run and and they he was already on desk duty at the age of 28 he came to my workplace and uh, I phoned the RCMP and complained about this and they said oh come on listen you know what he's a young guy he's stressed out he's having a baby don't follow up my mother the only reason I didn't follow up because normally I would is because my mother was afraid of the RCMP but um, you've had an entirely different and horrific experience uh, during your time uh, working with the RCMP and how Catherine if you would look back now or there's some things you would change uh, no, given that you have the information now that this exists sexual harassment is real and it and, and it happens in workplace and workplace bullying how would you respond to some of the things that happened to you oh that's interesting the saddest part about all of this is that I am a police officer Mm-hmm. I still am, by the way. They haven't taken away my badge yet. Yeah. And the thing is, so who do you complain to when you're being harassed and abused and sexually exploited by your bosses in the RCMP? 
who do you who do you go to? You know what I would do differently now, and this is why I can't go back to work mm-hmm. <laughs> because I would become extremely violent if I saw anyone being sexually harassed. My biggest fear is that I would kick someone in the crotch, and that is my biggest fear because I wouldn't even be quiet about it. How I've grown through this is that I've become angry enough to fight back. And that's how I've grown, and that is what I would do. I would probably hurt people. And do you think that's part of the problem? With all due respect, (laughs) (laughs) don't do that, Catherine, okay? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's not a good idea. But (laughs) I think it's part of the process and part of the grieving process. You you are likely, likely an amazing police officer. You lost a job that you absolutely loved. Yes. You were embarrassed. You were humiliated. They were betrayed. There's nothing like it. And nobody stood up for you. It's horrific. I totally get it. At the and- end of the day, the, the fi- at the final, people have asked me or have, and asked friends of, friends of mine, why is Catherine so angry at the RCMP? And my friends always have the same answer. She's not angry at the RCMP. She's angry because she had no one to go to for help. Right. Right. That's classic about workplace bullying and sexual harassment. That is classic. If you've seen the movie Whiplash, they outline it perfectly. Because everybody wants to be the top dog. And that's why. That's why they will not help you. Because they're all vulnerable and they're all exploitable. And nobody wants to lose their job ever, especially if there's a recession or anything. So that is classic. So as part, do you feel that that anger is part of your healing process and that you will... Uh, hopefully one day get work through the uh, grieving process to, uh, you know, going through the denial, anger, uh, bargaining, acceptance the, to the peace. I mean, I, I, I will, I, my, every situation's horrible. I'm going to say mine was not as bad as yours, but it was horrible. And uh, I'm, I'm at peace with it. Well, unfortunately, I'm still in the angry stage and mm-hmm. I don't think that's very healthy for me or probably any people around me that I might want to kick in the crotch. But I'm hoping, what I hope for is someday to go through an entire day of my life not thinking about the RCMP. Right. That's what I want. So that's the piece I'm looking for. Right. Right. It's, it's, a, big, it's a big process. And I, and I completely get that as well. You become obsessed, obsessed with what happened to you. You're incensed. In my organization, there were lawyers who stood around, PhDs, a woman with daughters she had a phd and she never she saw him she watched him uh corner me take the door handle off i was cowering and screaming in the corner and she did nothing and nobody did anything they walked around like wind up dolls but have i forgiven them yes i have they didn't know what to do either and i i get that not um but it it was part of that healing process i also believe in karma and not kicking anyway (laughs) and uh, atoya what would you do differently well maureen to be Perfectly honest with you, I wouldn't do anything different under the current circumstances as they are right now in the RCMP. They like to tell you that they fix things, but what the federal government of Canada has done is ask the problem to fix the problem. Right, but the thing is, I really, this is why I think women need to be re-socialized and we need to educate women before they go into the workplace. This can happen to you. what I'm saying. It's not safe for a woman still to this day, Maureen, in the RCMP to complain. You are vulnerable. You'll become a bigger target and... As Catherine and I talk about a lot, 
you will be treated even worse once you've complained internally. And that's happening to women. Okay, you know but, not, but not every woman, I'm devil's advocate here a little bit, not every woman is, or not every person is bullied or targeted. I had to look at myself and I had to say, why is it that you have been targeted three times in your life, in your work career? I had an I incident last summer. Question. I can I, answer the question. Well, I, that's, right for, that's for me. My question. Yeah, my, I know. Yeah, I had to look at me. Right. Oh, so you're, you're saying you had to look at yourself. Well, I actually no. I had to listen to what the experts on this issue are saying. The, prof- the professors who study sexual harassment in the workplace for years on end and have come up with clinical research. And they say it's because you are displaying, you're first of all, in a male-dominated environment, displaying characteristics and traits of a man and you're a woman. And what you're not supposed to have is a voice, confidence, an opinion, you're not supposed to be speaking up in meetings. You're not supposed to be challenging authority. You're not supposed to have ideas. And when you do all those things, you become their target. And that's widespread, not just in the RCMP. In any work environment where it's men sitting around a table and you're the lonely female trying to say, speak up and bring reason to uh, a discussion, you'll be targeted. You know, I, I, that's just the way it is. Absolutely. But, but I was also targeted because I was nice. And I was also productive. And when somebody told me I didn't do a great job, him, I worked harder and I depleted myself and I got exhausted. Right. And that's the power that I think lies within women. Women, that PhD mother of daughters never got targeted by him. And I remember her sitting in a meeting where he tried to and she said, you've already said that to me. She knew what to say. I think she'd been bullied before, but I think there's power in women speaking up and nipping it in the bud really early on. And I, and I don't know, I wasn't there for your situation. But I think in many situations, people just will not put up with it. I, this is such That's a great. That's what I want for women everywhere in the world. I want women to push back, stand up for themselves, have a voice, say enough is enough. That's right. Not tolerating this. At the beginning. That's what I want. But Maureen, the point that's really important that needs to be made here is it's still not safe to do that inside the RCMP yeah. at this time because they don't have inside the RCMP an external. I have to, you know what, I, I, Atoya, I'm going to have to have you back. You guys have been fantastic. I wish you all the best, and when we can talk further about this, because there's lots more to discuss. I have got to go to break. I'm Maureen McGrath. You've been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Thank you so much, Nancy. Welcome back. Well, that's it's that's just such a hot topic and very interesting, and there's so much more to discuss around it. Um, Nancy. Thank you so much, Nancy McDonald, for joining me and um, look forward to have that article coming out in the magazine and in hardcover. So, and we'll have you back and talk a little bit further about that. Where, as usual, great sex always ends way too soon. <laughs> and such is the case tonight. There's been a lot of emails about V-Love, the new sexual desire gel, which is also a lubricant. Uh, listen, if you want to try some samples of it, pop me an email and I will have... I will leave some here for you to pick up at the station. So you can email me at sextalk at cknw.com. You can go to my new and improved website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter at back, the number two, the bedroom. And don't forget my blog, back to the bedroom slash blog.ca, where I talk about everything from sex to affairs and the whole nine yards. Anyway, I'm Maureen McGrath. And when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. Talk to you next week.